Welcome to the Breaking Addictions podcast, where we're dissolving illusions and transcending limitations. I am your host, Ronnie Landis, and I'm here with my dear brother, Kevin Crenshaw, who's an amazing human being, amazing coach, amazing transformation specialist, and he's known on social media as the heart guy. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, I know we're going to talk a lot about that, and we're also going to talk about addiction, as we do on this podcast, and we're going to see where the conversation takes us. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm here. I'm present. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you are. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for the reflection. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, sometimes it's helpful. Yeah, it definitely yeah. is. So we're not alone and isolated in this reality. Uh, right. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, and then sometimes seeing yourself is the hardest thing to see. That's right. also the most important thing to see. Right. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Um, when I got started coaching, um, or I should say, let me back up. When I got in the personal development industry and started mm-hmm. like working on myself, um, I started seeing mirror work a lot. And that mm-hmm. was the thing that really woke me up. Actually, I did mirror work before I even knew what it was mm-hmm. intuitively. Mm-hmm. That's what got me to change my life uh, and actually pick up fitness. Um, when I was 15, mm-hmm. uh, I did mirror work when I was 15, I just chewed myself out in the mirror and then was like, and then was very empowering, like you're better than this. And then I mm. just, it completely changed the trajectory of my life. Yeah. Um, and then I had to literally in the mirror, see myself. Um, so mirror work, like explain that for everybody. Uh, eye contact with yourself in the mirror, mm-hmm. you know, looking mm-hmm. into your soul and being brutally honest with yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's fully seeing yourself and it can be hard. Um, if you know you're out of alignment or the thing, there's things that are uncomfortable to look at to actually, um, bring yourself to do it. But, um, you know, you got to look at what the addictions are costing you or what, yeah. or, and you got to be aware that you're addicted. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, cause if you don't have that, there's nothing to actually change. Right. Um, awareness is step one. Awareness step one, doing mirror work, looking yourself in the eyes, in the mirror, mm. having like some really honest dialogue, like tracking, like, you know, the bags under your eyes, mm. your skin, like what are the effects of whatever habits in my lifestyle? What are the, what are, what are the cost of my habits? Right, and, and pain is usually the biggest motivator for people. You uh-huh. know, we always want to say, oh, I'm going to do it for me, and I'm going to better my life. But that's, that's you know, people are good intended in that. Uh, and I'll speak for myself that that didn't get mm-hmm. me over my addictions. That didn't get me to change my life. Mm-hmm. It was usually somebody else in my life and seeing how it affected them. Okay. Or um, pain and just being in a crazy amount of, you could say, rock bottom. Being like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? Mm-hmm. Like, wake up calls smack mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. type moments um, and so you know you can either wait for that moment to happen you can wait yeah. for somebody else to suffer or you can really lean in and, and mm-hmm. mirror work is a great way to do that to kind of stop it earlier yeah yeah catch it before it becomes bigger yeah what <clears throat> what for you was the rock bottom that got you to change which one <laughs> I guess the one that comes to mind One that comes to mind, uh, hmm. you know, I have a rock bottom where I was homeless and didn't have money for food because mm-hmm. my debit card was at the minimum negative account of balance and mm-hmm. uh, lived in homeless on the street for six months in Dallas, Texas. Wow. Um, 
You were literally on the streets for a few nights. Yeah, that was couchsurfing the rest of the time. But yeah, Um, that was a pretty dark time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There was another. There was another time. You could say on the opposite end of the spectrum, where I'm living in my dream apartment. My career is booming. You know, in Santa Monica, California, like things are amazing. My my. But I was crippled with anxiety and I had a manic caffeine addiction. Okay. Um, you know, the other was I, I was addicted to feeling sorry for myself. And the other mm-hmm. one was a chemical addiction to caffeine mm-hmm. that drove me to a, a, a complete um, meltdown. And uh, after a near-death experience, I really woke up to, to the addiction okay. that I was. Mm-hmm. Um and that was there was a that was multi layered because you could look at that and let's go to that one I guess yeah let's go because that one had my mindset which was conditioned I was a shy nerd kid growing up and I found uh, a place in group fitness teaching group fitness classes um, and that was a an identity shift basically overnight and I started getting rewarded for having a ton of energy mm-hmm. and even mm-hmm. when I was like the shy nerd guy I still had a ton of energy with my friends and that yeah. was my identity. Mm-hmm. So then I get in group fitness and I get attention and validation and like a sense of connection and belonging when I have high energy. Mm-hmm. So unconsciously, if I don't, if I'm tired, then that unconsciously equates to a lack of love. Right. So I need to be on all the time. Right. Right. Well, <laughs> take some pre-workout, drink more coffee. It was the answer. Um, and then I got into extreme fitness and like, physique kind of competitions and competing myself and everything. And I just took it to the nth degree. Um, you know, I was also teaching three, four group fitness classes a day. Like, uh, at one point it it was a lot of demands on my body. Mm -hmm. Um, I was definitely running from myself and from feeling certain things, you know, uh, people, some people go to drugs. I didn't do drugs then. It was, it was caffeine highs and Mm -hmm. and work Mm -hmm. out, work Mm -hmm. it out. Um, and thank God I had something because it changed my life. And I think that's, you know, some of the things that people get addicted to oftentimes start out supporting them in some way. Um, it was the only button that I had, mm-hmm. though. Mm-hmm. That was the problem. I yeah. couldn't go to something else to regulate my emotions or to uh, feel more confident about myself or whatever. Mm-hmm. I only had that fitness mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. the thing. So anyway, that's the psychology of it. Um, I was in a ton of debt. I needed to pay people back and I was like, my integrity's at stake. I got to fucking make this happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of not enoughness and not trusting myself. And so I had to juice myself up to perform yeah. to pay these people back. Um, the smack in the face was when my, my best friend came over and he was like, dude, you're like pale. And, um, it was a joke about me and caffeine for a while, but he really saw like, you're losing weight, like you're, this isn't healthy. Um, and then he, he, again, it was a joke, but it really sunk in that I had three bang energy drinks before noon. Wow. And I was like, what the f- that's, a four, that's almost a thousand milligrams. Thousand caffeine. milligram. Okay. <laughs> like that's insane. Before noon. Yeah. I'm like, what? Yeah, that's not for context. Like your typical cup of black coffee might have like around 200 or 250 milligrams of caffeine. Yeah. So this is the accumulation of years of, of using caffeine. And it just got to that end point where it was like, what? Like I just drained my adrenals. Mm. Um, and so I got to the point where I was 
stable financially, was able to you know, pay the people back and everything. And then um, a few months later, I actually had a near-death experience that rocked my experience of living, really. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, that, even, even now, though, like there's that thing, like, I enjoy caffeine in the mornings, yeah. no more than 100, or something else takes me over, and I'm like, I want more, I want more, I want more. It's mm -hmm. so weird, mm -hmm. even though I feel worse. Like, when I was at that peak... I would have more caffeine and it would make me more tired. Yeah. It wasn't doing what it originally mm -hmm. did. And I, again, I didn't have another button. I didn't have another outlet. I didn't have another thing to support me in that. But really, I was covering up my not enoughness and insecurities with it. Yeah, that's well, that's really interesting. I won't go deeper into that because caffeine and coffee addictions are running rampant. It's something I've been seeing for so many years. And then in the health world, like bulletproof coffee and coffee being kind of an accepted superfood and all this. And it was just really a weird shift to watch how it transitioned into that. Maybe like 2017, I think, is like when it really became a big thing. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's just like I, I got into it as well, like the butter coffee and then putting yeah. herbs in my coffee and yeah. doing all this. But ultimately, I realized that coffee, A, is not actually healthy. Some people, metabolically, they, they do fine with caffeine and it works for them. Mm -hmm. um, they can process it and metabolize it easier. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, coffee is not a superfood. It's not a, it's it's not a health food. Yeah, like the, like, the, yeah, I mean, we can go deep into like coffee and the coffee bean and different uses for it. But the coffee can caffeine molecule that we know as and how we use it in this culture yeah. is a drug. Yeah. And it has drug like effects on your brain. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, let's let's go deeper into well, that. I mean, I look at this even zoom out of human history for a second. Yeah. And look at what happened when we started introducing caffeine into the culture. Mm. Uh, that's when the industrial revolution started. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? And before yep. that it was like tea or you're drinking beer or wine. Right. Right? right. And then all of a sudden caffeine <laughs> enters the picture, anxiety goes to the roof, and then the the forced overproduction happens. Mm -hmm. um, that's like the energy of caffeine, really. Yeah. Um, and so if you look, just seeing that alone, you're kind of like, okay, this is probably not healthy to do every single day. Yeah, our, our entire Western industrial civilization is predicated on stimulants. Right. And coffee being like the main driver. And <clears throat> also the thing with coffee is that it, it doesn't have the same effects of cannabis obviously like one is more parasympathetic the other is more sympathetic mm -hmm. and so you can be functional alert and focused on caffeine and it may it can cause you to to be productive right whereas you know doing something like cannabis has an opposite effect people want to chill they want to relax they want to go to sleep they want to they want to do other things other than like produce for society, right? right? It enhances your creativity. It makes you, it can make you more like thinking outside the box and that kind of thing. Yeah. It, and you know, I've done a lot because of my near death experience and I, I worked with some amazing um, people who are specialized in healing trauma mm -hmm. uh, to understand the urges that I had. Mm -hmm. um, the emotions out the, the felt sensed experience of my life. And this is kind of overgeneralizing, but I also think it's really true is that any addiction oftentimes is a cry for connection. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. 
safety in the moment within mm. yourself, mm -hmm. safety mm -hmm. in the moment with others in your relations um, or in the environment. Um, those that unsafety, that that rupture of wholeness mm -hmm. um, drives the connections, and you get a um, a spike of whatever the feeling is mm -hmm. that you want mm -hmm. when you take something that is addictive, mm -hmm. uh, but then it crashes right. versus just meeting the need. Um, the meet, meeting the need underneath the need. You know, you yeah, have a need yeah. for energy. Well, really? <clears throat> is that really what it is? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and it is an 80-20 rule. I don't like to blanket anything. Mm -hmm. you know, I've, been a, mm -hmm. I've been a love and relationship coach for a while. There uh -huh. are no rules. There's not one size fits all or one answer to the things oftentimes. Um, you know, 80% of the time I would say it's, it's emotional. It's okay. the need for connection. Um, when you actually have a chemical imbalance, then treat it as such mm -hmm. as well. You know, add mm -hmm. the connection piece and you have a, an imbalance. You know, I'm, um, what I have a ebook that's about breaking, uh, stop overthinking, how to stop overthinking uh -huh. your love life. Uh -huh. And, uh, in it, I talk about abandonholics as people that are addicted to abandonment. Right. And yeah, wow. what's going on chemically mm -hmm. in the body when they meet a partner um, and they're in this cycle. Mm -hmm. It's a bunch of endorphins. It's a bunch of adrenaline. They think they're madly, passionately in mm -hmm. love. Mm -hmm. Really, their body's like, fuck, this isn't safe. What are you doing? Mm -hmm. And that energy and concoction of chemicals is a hit. Mm -hmm. And then it doesn't go well. And then they, they yeah, tank. Yeah. And then they're looking for another hit. And so they go for... The, the thing that's familiar, they will pass by somebody who's actually uh, grounded, safe, mm -hmm, a mm -hmm. safe relationship oh, yeah. because you're looking for a hit and you're like, oh, they're a good friend, but there's no chemistry. Yeah. For right? right. And so that's why it's important to regulate yourself and to get those, that addiction uh, chemically um, under wraps so that you can actually see a healthy relationship mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and call it in. <clears throat> That's a great point. That's and that, that's a great avenue to go into, because we could talk a lot about trauma bonding and emotional kind of addictions, like like you're talking about in these more subconscious urges from childhood, like mm -hmm. attachment wounds, mm -hmm. um, which is something that I've dove in really deep into. I've I've coached different clients on this, and I've worked through yeah. a lot of that stuff in my own experience, getting into relationships and going through these like roller coasters and yeah. and um it's very perplexing it can be very like it can be very um damaging mm -hmm. just not psychologically emotionally but just on your whole life and right. and you can really lose yourself in these things definitely um you know i was a codependent uh person so i would always put my needs last mm -hmm. i would i would overextend myself like crazy um, and it was, you know, it, it's a, it's a form of manipulation, mm -hmm. but it's masked as, oh, I love you so much, but it's, I, I, I love you with an expectation or I love you so you can love me back or whatever the thing is. And, uh, yeah. you know, I, that was my pattern and, um, really it, it healed from not just all the psychology stuff that I knew uh, that was one layer of it, but mm -hmm. honestly healing my body and just caring more about how I felt. Mm -hmm. Like that's the easiest. I care more about how I feel and know that I'm enough and love is abundant and you don't need it. Like the idea that there's one, um, you know, people have different ideas and viewpoints of that. Um, I definitely think that there, 
the, the idea of a one, um, I think has changed in my, my perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't think there's a one. It's somebody it, you choose. You choose. You, you choose that's one, right. Totally. Right? Like, um, now there are healthy and unhealthy relationships for you and it's important to see that. Um, and yeah, trauma bonds are interesting because you're running, whether it's the codependent or the avoidant cycle, um, and it is addictive chemically in your body. Um, a healthy relationship you're coming from that's why often times people like stop dating and work on themselves mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden it shifts. Mm -hmm. People do that all the time in my courses and that's because it's the, they're taking time away from the caffeine. Yeah, 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 yeah. The yeah, drugs. The drugs. Literally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, to be able to have then have a healthier relationship <laughs> with it and, and relationships. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's really interesting because I found the same thing when people go through my dopamine reset program. A lot shifts in their external life, yeah. like the people that they're hanging around with, family relationships, friendships, mm -hmm. intimate relationships, mm -hmm. um, how they use their time and where their time is going, not just in the habits that they're looking to remove, but how those habits in the neurochemistry that's been patterned a certain way, how that has a translatable effect mm -hmm. on their relationship choices. I know for me, like when I started going through a dopamine reset, a lot of that started to shift for me too. Yeah. <clears throat> it's just because my nervous system was getting balanced and regulated. The ego gets reset, <clears throat> which is, that's an interesting, that's an interesting angle on it too, mm -hmm. is that when you start to get off caffeine or coffee or whatever else that has a, a chemical stimulus, then you go through like this personal identity shift and, it, and it's not it's different than like the more conceptual um personal development psychology just changing your patterns changing your belief systems right. it's actually very physical yeah. it's physiological mm -hmm. i mean i noticed i was thinking different mm -hmm. i would have more pause before just reactionary like reacting to things or mm -hmm. an impulse to buy something or to have some uh, caffeine or whatever, right? Like, I, I noticed I had more sense of sovereignty. Right. Um, right. You know, mm -hmm. you could actually sit there and choose. And I'm not, you know, entirely, you could say, healed or removed from it, right? Like, there's been moments where I'm like, oh, I got this crazy busy day. Okay, like, like let me grab a coffee. Mm -hmm. And then I'll stop mm -hmm. and I'm like, wait, do I need to do, I need to do that? You know, um, and so really there, you know, there's a saying of where it's not what you're, what you're doing, but where you're coming from, yeah. where how yeah. you're doing, what you're, what place within you you're doing it from. And for me, it was shifting from a super energetic on guy mm -hmm. who just mm -hmm. is an energizer bunny to the guy who showed up today who's more grounded. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. and I, you know, I can, I now have sovereignty to choose how I show up. I can show up that super energized guy and I don't need substances to do it. Right. Right. Yeah. It's about sovereignty, it right? Really it's, it's like you're, you're resetting your nervous system, your neurochemical system, you're resetting your ego identity complex. Mm -hmm. So you can, A, you can have more self-awareness. You can see the effects of what things are doing when you couldn't see it because maybe you're too stimulated, you're numbed, you're, right. you're escaping. 
you literally can't be present. Mm -hmm. You know, don't have the faculties to be present to even know what that is. Right. I would say, you know, for me, I'm like, what did, what did I need to feel? Hmm. So, you know, I, I think a lot of people say like, what feeling are you avoiding? Well, you're really mm -hmm. sad and you're, you're really angry and you're stuffing it down with drugs or whatever the thing is. That's true. And what emotion are you grasping for? So we want to look at both spectrums. What are you running from? And what are you trying to get? Yeah. Um, and for me, it was oftentimes confidence. Mm -hmm. I was trying to feel confident and I mm -hmm. felt confident mm -hmm. when I'm on caffeine. Right. Right. And so when I kind of healed that confidence thing within myself, the urge stopped happening as much. Mm. So from an emotional standpoint, that, that was a big thing. And then, yeah, I was, there was grief there that I wasn't feeling and I wasn't even fucking aware of it mm -hmm. that I was running from it. But after, you know, down the, the domino line of events that happened, mm -hmm. it started to come out. What was your process for rebuilding confidence? So, I think of it like a bank account. Uh, where your attention's going mm -hmm. in a given day? Mm -hmm. Are you focused on what's going wrong or what is it, you know, how you messed up or what you don't have or what, a gratitude of what you do have, what is going well or what has gone well in the past? Yeah. So, it's a lot of mental rehearsal and of, of putting that in. Um, there's another thing I want to talk about here, which is, is self-value, like worthiness, mm -hmm. I guess would be the word. Um, like I, I'm worthy of love. I feel worthy yeah, of yeah. this thing. It, it's a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> okay. Honest. Yeah, like, like, like if, if a coat, like, Oh God, um, <laughs> let's stay in one lane for a second. Mm -hmm. I'm just mm -hmm. split into a few things. Um, Things are just happening and we, and humans make meaning of them. Yeah. You know, something happens and then we make it mean a certain thing because it's what the brain is designed to do. Um, now that hinders us when it comes to relationships or, or getting what we want and our desires, not just in relationships, but financially or anything else. Cause then we, because of domestication and how we were brought up, uh, we, we need to be good boys and good girls mm -hmm. and then we get the thing. Mm -hmm. So I have to, I have to be good. I have to be worthy. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And God, back then your parents, uh -huh, would grant uh -huh. you the thing. <clears throat> uh, it's still conditioned until you stop playing the game. When you realize that things just happen and it has nothing to do with your self-worth, oftentimes, right. uh, you're a lot more bulletproof. You can keep going through mm. things. You're, it's, mm. you're, you're, uh, you have a stronger sense of center. Um, and there's, I see so many people caught up in that mental trap of trying to feel worthy. And so my confidence shot through the roof when I was like, everybody's making this shit up. <laughs> yeah. Y'all are just yeah, still yeah. trying to get yeah. approval from mom and dad. Right. Like, uh, I'm good. Uh -huh. Let me see what let, and then I approached it with curiosity. Yeah. Let me see what I could do mm -hmm. versus mm -hmm. pressuring myself to do the best, <clears throat> which was completely different. Well, this, well, this point you're making is really interesting, right? So like, this idea that we can get so it's almost it's a form of narcissism mm. where we start making meaning out of everything that shows up in our life as we personalize to it so this so if something happens that means i'm good or bad i'm how did i manifest this yeah that's so, right. right yeah how did i how so so one aspect is like 
it's taking the self ownership thing way too far and taking yeah. ownership for somebody else uh -huh. in their patterns and behaviors or some random event that happens in our life. And I don't think anything's technically random, but I also don't think that we have a conceptual understanding of how the puzzle pieces in our life are so intricately woven together. So there's, so there's this, so when we get into these different frameworks mm -hmm. in psycho spiritual circles, mm -hmm. we think like, oh, I understand it, I got it. So then, then we try to like Put it, uh, analyze, yeah, try to try to yeah, try to place it to something in our life in order to give us like some sort of safety or security. Mm -hmm. When in fact, it's like you don't actually really know how any of this works. It's a mystery. It's unfolding, but I'm personalizing to it where really. All I'm doing is thinking about myself. Mm, right. It just doesn't look like the classical form of narcissism that we usually think You're of. You're just thinking of yourself a lot. Right. And it's yeah. just po usually poisoned, posed in the negative. Right. Right. That's true, too. And that's a prison. I mean, I've been in that. You're totally. You know. Um, Stressful. It is. And, and uh, an example of this, if, if people maybe aren't caught on, you go on a date and then it does with somebody couple of dates and then it doesn't work out and it goes to you and you're like, what did I do? Right. Well, maybe you didn't do anything. You're just not compatible with the person and maybe they didn't have the balls to have a front That's conversation right. with you. Yep. Like there, there's a million reasons why something might happen and it's not always you. So, you know, I, I tell my clients sometimes get the fuck over yourself. <laughs> like you're not that important, uh -huh. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. and, and just laugh at it. Mm -hmm. um, that's mm -hmm. another thing too. Don't take yourself so seriously, but the, it, to help with the confidence, it was a lot of, uh, unlearning the conditioning mm -hmm. uh, of domestication mm -hmm. and trying to be a good boy and just recognize like I can express myself however I want. And, yeah. um, and then uh, through over time, it, it allowed me to freely express my mm -hmm. truth with what I say mm -hmm. to people, how mm -hmm. I dress, what I do, like all of it, mm -hmm. um, and not not doing it out of looking for something, but doing it just because it's my soul's expression and it's fun to do and it's exciting and it's the most like high vibe thing in the moment, I guess you could say. Yeah, it's the most authentic thing in the moment. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that's great because the version of you that I know is all those things, mm -hmm. and that's that's what I've seen and felt from you from the beginning, mm -hmm. and. Um, and yeah, so I mean, it's almost like there's like a few different things I'm thinking of with this, but like, I, I just think that the building, the building of self-confidence, that conversation is so important. And then where you're, where you've kind of like gone with that, just to articulate something as simple as like a caffeine addiction, knowing that <clears throat> this isn't just a chemical codependency, but there's actually a deeper identity uh, issue or, or challenge here an emotional, emotional grasping of some sort that the stimulation of the caffeine in this example, it kind of, it kind of gives, like you said, it gave you that sense or simulation of confidence. So it's kind of like bypassing the actual process yeah, work to, do yeah, it, yeah. To, to actually be a confident person. Right. Right. I needed something else to make me feel confident because mm -hmm. I didn't feel confident uh, as a person. And so, you know, I have had tons of fuck ups. I've not, you know, I'm not um, exempt from that. Um, <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and so using the meaning making machine that is your brain, I just used it for my benefit. 
I made it, I looked for the lessons and all of the things and I'm mm -hmm. like, wow, I learned a lot. Um, and it, and I, and it's confidence with humility as mm -hmm. well. You know, mm -hmm. I'm a human, I'm going to continue to fuck up. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not ever going to get it perfect. So I might, I'm not going to strive for perfectionism. I'm going to strive for perfect, but not pressure myself to make it perfect. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, to do your best and show up. Um, and then my mental rehearsal, what am I being aware of my thoughts, aware of what you're aware of and is it on the positive or negative? Mm -hmm. Um, and if it's in the, and whatever, especially if it's on the negative, you just got to recognize. So I do a lot of like, you know, mindset work with people sometimes and the inner critic just wants to keep you safe. It's the mm -hmm. version of you that's mm -hmm. trying to keep you safe. It's just oftentimes not effective. Mm hmm example, you do something, you fuck it up. And then the inner voice is like, yep, you're a piece of shit. See, and it's like, well, it's trying to avoid feeling that, uh, -huh. uh, bad feeling of messing something up again. Right. And so let's create a belief to make sure you don't take that action again. Mm -hmm. And then you can come in as your higher self or whatever you want and be like, Oh, well, thanks for trying to keep me safe, but it, it does. That's okay. Well, we got this or, um, that's not effective. Let's do this instead. Right. <clears throat> so it's right. a lot. It's a lot of that self-talk, which again I do in the mirror, uh, in mirror work, and that's the, the because it's the most embodied practice for me. Journaling doesn't do it, mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. yeah, typing or writing. It, it just doesn't click with me. Yeah. Versus yeah. vocally expressing yeah. something yeah. to myself in the mirror is a total night and day mm -hmm. shift. Yeah. Same thing with me. Yeah. yeah. Reading out loud, praying out loud, speaking mm -hmm. out loud. Um, that always is the most powerful thing for me too. Yeah. And like being able to sit in front of the mirror and do that work mm -hmm. or in psychedelic journeys, being able to go through that process, that somatic fleshing process, yeah. um, is really powerful. And so, yeah, speaking of that, let's talk about integration and embodiment. Yeah. Like what I'm curious, like, what does it look like when you work with someone? I'm sure it's probably a spectrum yeah, of things. Yeah, it's a spectrum. It depends on what they're, what they will desire. Mm -hmm. what, what, what do, what do people tend to come to you for? Uh, in the past, it's been breaking uh, relationship cycles. And okay. You could say more self-love, inner peace. Mm -hmm. That goes on with confidence and other things. But we use the mirror of your love life to do the inner work on yourself. Yeah. So oftentimes these people are coming to me because they're unsatisfied with their love life, but they have a partner now and it's just not going, it's rocky and they want to turn it around or they're trying to manifest somebody, whatever it is. Um, they have enough humility to be like, okay, I need to work on me. So that's the first bit. Mm -hmm. um, and then I take them through that process and I have all of this process is in, um, I actually just changed my whole business model. So my, all of my courses are in one offer now and, okay. and everything. But one of them is called True Love Accelerator. It's 12 months long. And it just guides mm. you step by step of doing all of the work that you need to do to break the cycle. And a lot of that, and we, we talk about the mindset piece, but it's all embodied practices. So you, talk, you asked about embodiment. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Essentially, it's getting all your senses on board with mm. your beliefs. Mm -hmm. It's the mind-body connection, but it's... Uh, do is your sensed experience of reality in alignment with your beliefs that you have and the beliefs that you want and the experience that you want, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. right? Because oftentimes it's like, think of it like two lines over here on the left, the, the mindset on the top, the body on the bottom, they're aligned to something. And then all of a sudden you're like, I don't want to live this way anymore. And you start right, changing right, your right, thoughts. Right. Mm -hmm. And then the, the bar at the top goes to the right. 
Yeah. You have new thoughts and an unintegrated body. And that's going to zigzag. Mm -hmm. You're going to have high highs mm -hmm. and low lows. You're going to sabotage shit. You're going to be really hard on yourself. You're going to try to keep learning more and nothing's working. Mm -hmm. And so that's where a lot of people are right now because we had a huge surge um, you know, in the past few decades of mindset and personal development work. Yeah. And now it's come in the wave of the embodiment practices. And that's literally working with the body, like doing the dopamine resets, getting your senses on board, um, processing and feeling the emotions you need to feel that are alignment with the beliefs that you want. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, integration requires time and space. Right, right. It, trauma uh, is too much too soon or not enough for too long. Mm. It's a, it, it's quick or it's a, or it's you're, you're starving. Right. And so to heal it, um, you need to be paced. You need patience. It takes some space. Um, oftentimes, you know, people get really tired and want to sleep a lot and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And it's a sign that you're recalibrating essentially mm -hmm. in your nervous system. Um, and in all the, a lot of the systems in your body. But I take a very body-centric approach to things after my near-death because I, went, it, I was psychotic for a month afterwards. Um, literal hallucinations, didn't take care of myself. Like, it was it was pretty dark. And I came out of it enough mind, in my mind, and I was like, wait, I can't mindset my way out of this. Like, my, I just had something rupture in my stomach, and I could go into that. That's a whole other story. But, like, I need to take care of my physical body. And so I just got deep on all of that, and I started seeing changes faster than I was just trying to use mindset to shift things. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I always look at the body first now yeah. when I'm coaching people, yeah. and then the mindset stuff second. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not even looking uh, necessarily sometimes listening to what they're saying. It's how they're saying it, uh, all the little things. And, and from my fitness background, with everything being extreme, um, I now look for extreme potency mm. and sometimes it's subtleties shifts like little tiny shifts that make the biggest difference. Mm -hmm. Um, and it doesn't have to be a big giant cathartic release. Although sometimes that's helpful. Sometimes that's actually unsupportive for okay. getting you to where you need to go. For example, if somebody wants more inner peace and they're inner, they have a dysregulated nervous system. Mm-hmm. And they do something that's high stimulating to the nervous system, like a breathwork experience where right. you're releasing a bunch. Right. Uh, that too can be an addiction because mm -hmm. you have the high, you feel incredible mm -hmm. afterwards. Mm -hmm. so there's this clearing, and then life gets boring again. But then what? Quote unquote. Yeah. Right. And you mm -hmm. need to do. It. You want to do it again. So it's right. Finding that urge and saying, you know what? I want safety. I want security. I want peace more than I want the high. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And when you get to that point, you're living high. Literally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you get all totally. of that stuff, you know, it's crazy. I was like, I feel like I'm on MDMA almost all the time. Mm -hmm. I didn't pop anything. <laughs> I'm living this way. People are like, wait, tell me how to do that. Yeah. I'm like, well, it's a lot of hard work, but you can live like you're high because your senses are fully online. You're yes. present, you're grounded, you're safe. Yeah. You're, you know, your mindset's aligned with, uh, with your desires and you're not... You know, you patience, you're not pressuring yourself. You see life as a game. You know, the biggest uh, thing that my near-death experience taught me was like, dude, I'm one. I'm mm -hmm. still fucking alive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, won, I won. I woke up today. Yeah. Some people didn't. 
Right. All the thing, the money you're worrying about, or the business launch, or the person, and the text, and this, that, the dating life, whatever the fuck's going on. It's just a game. So it gives you more confidence to play the game because you're like, none of this, it doesn't matters and it doesn't, but it's like all of the life or death angst that you feel with rejection or launching the business and like your Hail Mary to make it work financially or whatever the thing is goes away. Yeah. It just goes away. And I was, you know, I was homeless before. So I'm like, what the fuck's going to happen? I'm going to lose my money and be homeless again. Okay. I'll I'll make it. Mm -hmm. That's not going to happen. We've got too many friends now, but (laughs) yeah. 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 Yeah, You know, this is really, really interesting. That, that angst, that anxiety, like I've had a lot of entrepreneurs tell me that they wanted to do the dopamine reset, but they were in a phase where they were trying to launch a program or a course and they were like, yeah, it's just, I, I just, you know, when I'm done with that and I'm just thinking to myself, like, you don't get it. When you're done with it, you'll have another thing. Yeah. There's going to be another thing, another thing, but it's, it's also like, you don't understand what this actually is because you're, you think that using stimulants and working in the way that you're working is the only way to get to where you're trying to go. Mm-hmm. In trying to launch this, but you've basically associated this like adrenaline, noradrenaline energy, the stimulatory energy, and you've equated that to getting you to success in your goal. Well, yes. People, especially in that, they're like, you know, because I was almost going to say like, well, you need to make your business based on the life that you want to live. Right. And here's the sticky part is because that's what's been sold to them. It's exactly. the lifestyle. That's right. But the lifestyle doesn't all, it, look, it, it oftentimes looks at the external, not how you're feeling driving the Lamborghini or mm-hmm. living in the house mm-hmm. that you're living or running the business that you want to run. Cause you could have all those things and live the lifestyle and be a fucking be Absolutely miserable. Yeah. Um, and so it's looking at the emotions and that type, that life that you want. Um, and this is where it's a both and conversation Yeah, because, um, it's looking at the life that you want. So maybe you want to live a life of peace. Okay, cool. So we need to regulate the nervous system a little bit, start getting peace in, do a dopamine reset, do the things, make the shifts in your life, Mm -hmm. start doing the inner work. And there's also outer work, Yeah, which is build a business or an income or, uh, the, the location you live, the relationships you're in, the your physical health, the mindset to support you feeling more safe. Right. So it's a positive spiral. Yeah, that's right. right? And I think if we don't look at the environment, the tank of water that you're in or with in your, in your community or the business that you're in and how it's being run or what you're doing, like, and you're trying to do all this energetic clearing work, you're going to do it for the rest of your life. Sometimes it's the external that you do need to change. Yeah. It's like you're managing symptoms instead of actually dealing with the root cause. Right. The root cause is that you have anxiety right now and you're, you're trying to manage that and, or maybe it's the anxiety is actually just a symptom of a deeper issue, you know? And so it's like being able to address that within the somatic body and understand that if you can, if you can deal with that, it doesn't have to subtract from your goals. It'll actually supercharge your goals. You might have to, it might cause you to take a step back temporarily slowing down to speed up slowing down to speed up that's right i i get it for any entrepreneurs listening i understand 
I oh, had totally. so much resistance to getting off caffeine uh, because I needed it. I needed to be on all the time. That's how I get my money. So it's like it is a, a risk of like let me lose my anxiety and see if I still make money. Yeah. It's, I mean, you know, it's, it's a, I mean, yeah, it's, for it's, some people, it's a risk in the, in the very limited mindset, but totally. I, I mean, I totally. get it. Like I've been through it for sure. Yeah. I just can see how incredibly flawed and, and how ridiculous <laughs> it is ridiculous because it's also but like in the moment you feel like it's the biggest risk ever. Cause you're like, this is how I've been doing it. And what if, if I change how I'm doing it, is it still, it didn't come still going to come. Right. Well, that's just the self-awareness too, of just seeing what's happening in this moment. Yeah. I'm clearly I'm clearly out of balance. Whatever program it is that I'm trying to launch, I'm definitely not in alignment with it. Is mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not living, especially if we're talking about like a health or coaching business right. to right. help people. Right. <laughs> and I'm just looking at myself like many years ago, mm-hmm. trying to do these things. Mm-hmm. And like going to coffee or or whatever it was and seeing exactly that what you just animated, like that thought pattern. Right, the fear and anxiety. Mm. It's like, whoa, that should be actually that should be a red flag right there. We talk about red flags with dating other people. <laughs> like that should be a red flag right there. Yeah. Where I'm like, okay, this is me getting all worked up and getting you know getting into this weird thought loop. And essentially, all I'm doing is I'm playing peekaboo with reality. Hmm. Wow. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's just how I, when I just look back on my behavior, my thought process, then when I also look back on just dealing with other people in these situations, I really feel like addiction is just us playing peekaboo with reality. It's, we're looking to feel alive. Right. And, um, we think it comes in the highs. Uh, we want to feel our aliveness. We want to feel, sense and feel that we're alive. And mm-hmm. when we don't live an exciting life, mm-hmm. uh, and or whatever whatever's going on, we have a moment of being bored. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We think we need to pick mm-hmm. up our phone. We need to take some drinks mm-hmm. of coffee. We need to go do something. And we're mm-hmm. we're integration is being bored. It's doing nothing, laying on the beach, like chilling, you know, taking a nap. Uh, those are integrative things. You don't need to do a breathwork <laughs> process to integrate stuff. Uh, right. And, you know, like, if we can recognize that that emotion of being bored might be the, the gateway to a, some crazy new idea you have, or maybe you'll be able to sit with yourself and journal the, the, the thing that you've been wanting to do, or pick up a paintbrush and start painting and doing something that's not consuming, creating more. Mm-hmm. You'll start to express yourself, but that that boredom season, it, it's a part of it. Yeah. Well, I think that's a great distinction, like activity and inactivity, mm-hmm. like active, active resting, and then you know just like activity. Right. Right. Like there's the two different things, and so breath work, for example, is not. I mean, there's different types of breath work, but right. breath work practices that that stimulate you, that activate you. Those are like potentially cathartic processes mm-hmm. where taking a nap, resting, reflecting, meditating, just sitting there and slow breathing mm-hmm. like that. That's more integrated. And I think that's helpful for people as a framework. Yeah. Just to know which which season in your day mm-hmm. 
right, that you're in. Am I in a high activity production point in my day or am I in a rest and relax point? Yeah. I'm curious to see if you would be in alignment with this, but um, from my observation, my studies, and my experience, that the body is the subconscious. Yeah. Totally. And if we want to change our subconscious beliefs or how how we're operating, why we're doing what we're doing, is in changing the body. Like, you know, if somebody wants to change their life, the first thing they usually go to is, is I need to change my behaviors, yeah. which isn't bad, but there's a level, level deeper. Um, and then people go, well, you need to change your mindset and your, your beliefs about things because that's creating the behaviors. That's true. And there's also a level deeper than that, which is what is the, the form of and the shape of how you're moving through life, mm. which is your body. Mm -hmm. How how are you moving? How are you breathing? How are you living? Mm. <laughs> All of those sensed experience, like sensed things in the body, create the beliefs that create the thoughts that create then the actions. And mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's in healing the body uh, that you're actually able to automatically change your behavior instead of having to force it. Like right, for me, right. I was so tense and had a lot of pain in my body. I was tense in my body. I was rigid. I didn't have a lot of flexibility. Um, I, I, was, I wasn't the healthiest either. And so, of course, that was my then experience with other things, whether it's relationships or business or, or uh, my, you know, my, even my mindset. Mm -hmm. It was very, mm -hmm. I approached everything. I was very rough. I wasn't gentle because mm -hmm. I wasn't gentle. My, my body couldn't move gently. Um, yeah, that's know, I'm, interesting. I'm, I'm mm -hmm. actually today just had a session. Do you know the Feldenkrais method? No. Um, Moshe Feldenkrais, his work was studied to create NLP. And it's his stuff is very body centric. Um, and when you're in a session, I mean, you're just laying on a table and it's like somebody's picking up your hand and very gently moving. It doesn't feel like a right, right. thing. But um, it's working with the whole form of the body. And so, for example, at this session this, today, um, he asked me to roll over on my right side and get up. So I rolled over and got up, but I did it with, like, as much muscle and force as I could. Mm -hmm. It was very mm -hmm. rigid. My spine didn't bend much. Mm -hmm. And he was like, what the heck? <laughs> I was like, yeah. And so we, we did some work, and then we worked on, like, um, using my elbow and leveraging myself and posturing differently to use momentum to get me up versus muscle and just force, which is, mm -hmm. that's been my experience with almost anything. I want something, force, willpower, you make mm -hmm. it happen. Mm -hmm. I've overdeveloped that muscle mm -hmm. because it's in my body. Mm -hmm. So now I get to shift and change um, how I breathe, how I work out, how I move, how I get up from bed in the morning to a more, you could say, intelligent way of doing things um, where I'm not muscling it up, but I'm using leverage. If you've seen American Ninja Warrior, a lot of that stuff is technique yeah. and leverage. Yeah, totally. it's, it's not muscle, Yeah. right? And so I was just the muscle though, and I didn't have that. And then it's the loving part. Like, um, I think of it like a triangle. This is in a lot of religions. Uh, shout out to Master Ko, who taught me this, um, this pranic healing. Uh, you, there's a triangle in a lot of religions, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, uh, and, and you can read different books and different texts and they'll have usually a triad. Um, they all say the same thing of love, will, and intelligence. For self-awareness, bring it back to what we talked about in the beginning, uh, you want to look at the sides of your 
triangle at any given moment and go where am I and what am I what is needed of me. So you can be a very loving person and a very intelligent person, but not have a lot of internal willpower mm -hmm. developed. Mm -hmm. And you're gonna keep tripping over yourself, yeah. or you're, you're gonna you're 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 you have all these great ideas. You want to help people so much, and then why am I not making money? Why am I not launching the business? Right. You need to, it's not that you need to care more or you need yeah, to learn yeah. another thing. You need to just develop your discipline and do the yes. thing, right? Yes. Somebody has a lot of discipline and a lot of intelligence and not a lot of love, mm -hmm. they're gonna fuck people over. Yep. Right? Somebody with a lot of love and a lot of intelligence or a lot of will and a lot of love, but not a lot of intelligence, that was me. And I would constantly trip over myself and I'm learning through mm -hmm. experience. Like mm -hmm. and I'm like, wait, slow down and mm -hmm. do this a little bit wiser. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and so that's a good self-awareness tool. Uh to, to view any goal that you have of any, or, any, or any method of operation that you're under. It's like, wow, yeah, I'm really intelligent and I'm really loving, but I need to work on my will. Cool, there's your blueprint for doing the inner work, right? Or I have a lot of will and I, I, I care a lot, but man, what's the thing, what's that one side of the triangle that you might be missing? And the, the goal is to build all of it and to just have a bigger triangle, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, mm -hmm. that's spiritual evolution or mm -hmm. growth. Whatever that means. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's beautiful. I love that framework. And let's let's take some time to talk about love in the heart. Mm -hmm. You are the heart guy. <laughs> so I mean, how did that even start? Like, how did you how did yeah. you become the heart guy? And and what what is the deal with the heart? Well, it started when I fell into a bucket of kryptonite. No, um, <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> I I had. Of the group fitness was my thing, right? Yeah, uh, I crushed it at group fitness. Um, literally one of the best at every gym that I was at um, in terms of their entire uh, franchises, all their franchises. Like uh, I was very well known at Equinox in uh, mm -hmm. Dallas. I was at the one of the highest performing there. Uh, there was a wait list to get on my wait list in Equinox Hollywood uh, Sunday mornings. Wow. We call it church service because wow. it was it was intense. So this isn't just like, oh, Kev's teaching group fitness. I've been to a group fitness class before. No, shit gets spiritual and uh -huh. like <laughs> we, go, <laughs> we go there. Uh, I definitely grow your will. Wow. In the in there. Um and I had a and I was on the floor do I I'm like doing stuff with them. I'm not like yeah. in front of the class walking around checking like I check for them, I walk around, but I'm like sweating just as much as they are. And I was on the floor and I, I just, they, whatever happened, whatever perfect storm of events happened and I just started channeling shit and I just beat the floor and I was like, put some heart into it. And I all these fucking chills and right as the music beat dropped and it was like perfect moment and I like three or four people like grunted and you knew they just went to the next level and like, I was like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> and so I did it again. And again, and then it kind of just became this like staple in a few of my classes. Yeah. And then um, a few of my groupies, as I called them, the people that would routinely come to my mm -hmm. classes, um, got t-shirts that said, put some heart into it. And I had a t-shirt that put some heart into it. It kind of became part of my fitness brand. Oh, wow. And then I, I didn't want to do fitness anymore. I got sick and tired of the same four walls and the same people in and, in and out. I was still struggling financially. Um, and I got blessed with some money and I was like, I'm out, bye, and went nomadic for a while and just got to experience life and not mm -hmm. work for a little bit mm -hmm. after being a workaholic. Yeah. Uh, 
And then I ran out of money. And I was like, well, what the fuck am I going to do? And at this point, you know, I was working for Tony Robbins for a few years and helping crew his events and a few other things. So I knew a lot of, about mindset. But back then, even when I was doing fitness, I was reading about love and relationships all the time. Uh, after my experience of love and relationships, uh, my ex-fiance cheated on me, dumped me. Wow. The first two, uh, the next two relationships cheated on me. Wow. What the fuck's going on? So I started reading all this stuff. Um, and I was, you know, a lot of people knew that and I was able to help a few people with their relationship stuff, but it took me a while to sell that I could, myself, that I could be a love coach without having the best track record or being in a relationship mm -hmm. and still having my own codependent shit that I was mm -hmm. working on. Um, and I don't know. I was like, I want to do, I want to do relationship coaching. And one of my friends was like, Kevin, if you had one, you could only do talk on one message for the rest of your life. What would you do? Love. Cool, do it. Mm. You just gotta full send it. Mm. And I was like, all right, fuck. <laughs> and so I got over that fear, and um, I kind of tied in the heart thing because I wanted to be a little bit more masculine with it, um, and then put some heart into it. And then I was, I don't, I can't honestly remember if I came up with the idea first or my friend, but he was like, so you're like the heart guy, and I was like, that. That's it. That's it. It clicks. I like it. I like how that sounds. Uh -huh. And I, I led with the put some heart into it brand before I had Heart Gang, which is the brand now. Um, and I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I started a podcast called The Heartbeat. I mean, you were just on it. It's still mm -hmm. a thing. But in the beginning, it was a daily episode. Okay. Because I was nomadic and I stopped doing group fitness. And I was like getting depressed. I was like, cause I was like oh, I don't have my, my, my class every day yeah, anymore. Yeah. And I was like, well, let me show up. And um, episode four or something like that was masculine and feminine energy. So many questions came my way. And I was like, all right. Well, I kind of veered in that direction of, of helping people with their relationships. Mm -hmm. um, and then as God would have it, uh, I was like, oh, you want to be the heart guy, do you? Okay. You got a few more lessons. And uh, I feel like I'm just now kind of coming into that five years later. Mm, okay. Uh, really. I had a lot to learn. Yeah. Uh, it's a cool branding. I'm glad. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I feel like I'm just now actually embodying it. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. I know what that's like. Yeah. The five to 10 year journey. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I've been an entrepreneur for 10 years, been the heart guy for five. Um, I've come a long way and there's a lot to, there's a little more to go. There's a lot more to go. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. That, that feels like a really great full circle moment. We've talked about a lot of different things. Yeah. Yeah. We went all over. We did. And it, it all kind of, I feel like it all, it all kind of centralizes around, you know, this, this feeling that this, this topic you brought up around finding P I mean, this is just what comes up for me, like yeah. finding peace within yourself and also looking at the things that disrupt our peace, that take our peace away. Mm -hmm. And if I were to look at addiction, because that's you know a lot of what we talk about, um, you can just look at the patterns and behaviors that rob you of your peace. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be, I mean, obviously there's the health aspect, um, energy aspect, but anything that robs you of your peace is ultimately a distraction, it's a distortion, and it's something that's going to create a block and barrier between you and the version of you that you want to be, which ultimately is a more peaceful version of you. Oh, yeah. You know, when, when peace 
is the North Star. Yeah. You start making different decisions. Totally. You, you, you really start making different decisions. Um, and it's going to go against the biochemical addictions in your body. But you yes. Know, that's where willpower comes into play. Yeah. And strengthening that will to go against the current to create a new reality for yourself. Totally. Totally. I mean, I've had plenty of like roller coaster, super high charge, like really powerful relationships. Mm -hmm. um, that there was a ton of love there, but there was also a lot of other stuff there too. Mm -hmm. And now that I'm in with my my partnership with my partner now, it's like completely different. Mm -hmm. You know, it's actually like it's peaceful, it's equanimous, it's reciprocal, it's 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 like ecstatic. And like supercharged, but not no drama, no yeah. projecting, no like clear calm mm -hmm. uh, communication, like yeah. like all the things that you would want, and also has like heightened levels of passion, mm -hmm. but it's also grounded, right? Um, and that I think that also came from a lot of deep work, and it also kind of snuck up on me too, because I, I think right. there's also a thing here particularly with attracting relationships is that you don't even know you're ready until you you are right right that's very I mean, true. it's the same thing with building a business and some yeah. but especially with the relationship piece like it has its own mystery it's its own riddle how these things even happen yeah when you're not out there looking, looking for it, for it. Really. like it kind of just you don't realize that you're actually ready for a healthy relationship or even what a healthy relationship is until you find yourself in one yeah, I mean, if you haven't had that experience, you don't really understand and know. That's actually, I created a, a series on my podcast called True Love Stories uh, because of that. Mm -hmm. Because people, a lot of people don't have an, an example even totally. or an experience themselves of what a healthy relationship looks like. And so in that series, I interviewed couples who were together for 30 plus years. Wow. And asked, and then still passionately in love, and mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. did y'all just meet? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, you know, those type of, of uh, yeah. connections. And had them just share everything. And it's amazing. I learned so much, and uh, hopefully I still get to interview a lot more. But that it, it was fun for me to do. I learned a lot. And, um, you know, for people that they need to have that, like, oh, yeah, okay, that's actually. That's what it looks like. Right. That's what it looks like. And. It has a bunch of shit in there too. Totally. Every yeah. single one of every single episode, the couple has thought about breaking up or like, yeah. I don't think we're going to make it through this or like, you know, cheating and all the crazy wow. stuff. Wow. They just like non-negotiables, non-negotiable being things. broken. Yeah. 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 And they still repaired it, healed wow. it and chose each other. And, um, wow. that's where the, like we said, the beginning, the, the choice mm -hmm. loves a verb, loves a action and a feeling it's also a choice yeah and you can't use this excuse of like i got too much going on or i'm stressed or, or i'm not ready or whatever for anything in life or there's just you know it's too much going on it's like yo like that's that's reality mm. that's life especially right now on planet earth <laughs> like everybody's stretched yeah so it's not about whether you have a lot going on or not it's mm -hmm. it's how you choose to deal with it how you navigate it yeah. Um, my experience has been instead of rushing through things, yeah, I'm just present with them now. Right, right, right. Yeah, I'm yeah. present with a thing till completion and then I move on. One thing at thing. a time. And I still, I mean, my girlfriend now, she's like, what the fuck? you do so much. I still do a lot, but I don't feel rushed anymore. Yeah. 
That's a byproduct of getting off caffeine too. Yeah. I've noticed with like, like <laughs> it's a very clear thing I've noticed <laughs> is like when you get off caffeine in particular, yeah, you start becoming more present and calm, and you're actually able to do one thing at a time. <laughs> Versus like trying to do 10 things and nothing gets done right. Yeah. Yeah. Having your mind going crazy. Yeah. And then serve. Yeah. Well, yeah. bro, this was great. Yeah, it really was. Thank yeah. you for having me. Thanks for being here. Um, where can people find you? The heart guy. Also go shout out heart gang, go to heartgang.com. Um, we, we have a store of amazing merchandise, stethoscopes. You have mm -hmm. them build heart brain coherence, listening to the sound of your own heartbeat. And then also the app, that's like I mentioned, everything that I'm doing. I don't do courses. I don't do one-on-one -on -one coaching anymore. Okay. Everything is in the app. It's on that. Um, and it's like a Netflix-style library of uh, course content from other coaches who specialize in other, all areas of life. And so the premise of Heart Gang is to love more and to call you forward to your potential mm -hmm. through being present with all of your life, not just your relationships or just your business and right. sacrificing everything else having the masculine structure of doing the outer work and what to do and then the, the inner inner work as things come up. So it's like, you know, you have a goal and you're doing it and then you have resistance or something else, something mm -hmm. comes up or whatever. Mm -hmm. Boom. There's opportunity for the inner work and we have tons of coaches and courses uh, in the app um, and that are, they're going to be continuing to be added to like Netflix where a complete courses for you to kind of like break through your beliefs and, having your experience. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that's, uh, check out the Heart Gang. It's, it's an app on the App Store, so go download it. Beautiful. Well, Kevin, thank you so much. Appreciate you being here. Thank you. Everyone listening, thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Breaking Addictions podcast. I'm your host, Ronnie Landis, and we will see you in the next episode.